this morning in my quiet time with God, I was reminded that we're at war. We, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are at war. We are soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you at war? Are you waging war against your enemies? Oh, you have enemies. Are you fighting the good fight? Are you just sitting passive, spectating, weak, cowardly, one foot in the world and one foot into what you think is Christianity? Oh yeah, y'all know what time it is. You're listening to the Grizz Podcast. It's gonna be raw, it's gonna be real, and it's gonna be relevant. We're here to guide, encourage, and equip you to live the manly life that God is calling you to live. It's time for you to step up and man up. That's what God expects, and that's what this jacked up world desperately needs. Now here's our host, Jason George. Man, it's early morning here in the low country of South Carolina. I'm here in the Grizz Cave. I got my hoodie on and I got uh, a new ruck pack. That a buddy sent me. Buddy from high school. His name is Daniel Helsel. He's living down in Florida now. He's really into rucking. I'm interested in rucking. I told him that. I reached out to him. Said I'm thinking about buying a ruck from Go Ruck. And he sent me uh, his old ruck. And he said, why don't you test drive this? So last night I went out. I uh, loaded it down with all the gear that I usually have in my everyday carry pack. And then I added 20 more pounds. So it was about, probably about 25, 30 pounds. Put it on my back and went for a two-mile ruck here in the neighborhood. I like it. It was tough. It was hard. It hurt. That's good. That's good. That's good. Embrace that. So today I'm going to, as soon as I'm done here recording this, what I just want to share with you guys what I got out of my Devo times this morning. Um, I'm going to hit the gym. I'm going to go embrace the suck. I'm going to do something hard that I don't feel like doing. I'm going to do my best to try to make myself tougher, stronger, harder to kill. And then I'm going to put that ruck on. I'm going to ruck. 47 years old. And I'm going to do my best to make myself stronger and tougher than ever. Do the best with what I have. With all of my freaking issues. I'm not just doing that for my physical 
I'm doing my best to make myself tougher and stronger spiritually. We are at war. We're in the midst of it. Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes, the the methods, the strategies of the devil, because he is smart. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We are at war. Therefore, Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. We're living in the evil day. Many are not withstanding. They are falling daily. They are giving in to false teaching. They want their ears tickled. They want whatever suits their sinful desires. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Paul needed the prayers of his brothers and sisters so that he could continue to step up and man up and finish the fight strong. I love the language Paul uses in the pastoral epistles to Timothy, a young pastor who is stationed at Ephesus. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, he tells Timothy, wage the good warfare. Wage the good warfare. Like you go wage it. You, you go make war. How? That's what he tells them throughout this whole letter, how to do it, how to wage that good warfare. It has to do with, number one, his own personal character. Then it also has to do with his his content, the things he teaches, what he needs to teach, what he needs to train and equip believers to do. Tells them how to wage the good warfare in the realm of prayer. Prayer is a weapon. Tells them hold the faith. 
hold the faith and a good conscience. Don't live a divided life. Be the real deal, Timothy. The real deal. Get the sin out of your life. Fight and overcome. That's the mark of a true believer. He tells them in chapter 4, verses 7 through 9, train yourself for godliness. Train, agonize. Bodily training is of some value. So do that. Yeah, that's good. But godliness is of value in every way. It holds promise for the present life, also for the life to come. So train, agonize for that. And then Paul says, for to this end, we toil and strive. There is nothing comfortable or convenient or feel good about these words that are being used. I don't know who told you that real Christianity is comfortable and convenient and, and feels good. They lied to you. They're not teaching the Bible. They're not explaining the way of the cross, the narrow, difficult trail. Get away from those teachers. Stop listening to them. Stop reading their books, their articles, their blogs, listening to their podcasts. Turn them off. They'll do you no good. For to this end, we toil, we strive. There are good moments in the journey with Christ. But it's not all the time. Because we are at war. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. But as for you, O man of God, I love that phrase. O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Listen to me, my my brothers. A man of God is known by what he flees from, what he pursues, what he fights for. Flee, pursue, fight. 2 Timothy tells Timothy, share in suffering. As a good soldier of Christ Jesus, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuit since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Share in suffering. You're going to suffer as a Christian. You're going to suffer if you're godly, if you're a man of God. If you take a stand for truth, share, share in that. That's what we do. That's who we are. I picked up J.C. Ryle's book, Holiness, this morning. I opened it up to a section that I've got a whole lot underlined, and I got notes in the margin. That's one of my favorite sections of the book. I got to read it to you guys. It's so powerful. If you haven't got yourself a copy of Holiness by J.C. Ryle, you need to get it. 
You need to get in it. You need to stay in it. You need to read it. You need to go back to it and review it often. He says, page 201, I ask my readers to observe that in every epistle, the Lord Jesus makes a promise to the man that overcomes. Seven times over, Jesus gives to the churches exceeding great and precious promises. Each is different and each full of strong consolation. But each is addressed to the overcoming Christian. It is always, quote unquote, he that overcomes or, quote unquote, to him that overcomes. I ask you to take notice of this. Every professing Christian is the soldier of Christ. He is bound by his baptism to fight Christ's battle against sin, the world, and the devil. The man that does not do this breaks his vow. He is a spiritual defaulter. He does not fulfill the engagements made for him. The man that does not do this is practically renouncing his Christianity. The very fact that he belongs to a church, attends a Christian place of worship, and calls himself a Christian is a public declaration that he desires to be reckoned a soldier of Jesus Christ. Armor is provided for the professing Christian if he will only use it. Take unto you, says Paul to the Ephesian believers, the whole armor of God. Stand, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Above all, take the shield of faith. Ephesians 6. And not least, the professing Christian has the best of leaders. Jesus, the captain of salvation, through whom he may be more than conqueror. The best of provisions, the bread and water of life, and the best of pay promised to him an eternal weight of glory. All these are ancient things. I will not be drawn off from my subject in order to dwell on them now. The one point I want to impress upon your soul just now is this, that the true believer is not only a soldier, but a victorious soldier. He not only professes to fight on Christ's side against sin, the world, and the devil, but he does actually fight and overcome. Now, this is one grand distinguishing mark of true Christians. Other men, perhaps, like to be numbered in the ranks of Christ's army. Other men may have lazy wishes and languid desires after the crown of glory. But is the true Christian alone who does the work of a soldier? He alone fairly meets the enemies of his soul, really fights with them, and in that fight overcomes them. One great lesson I want men to learn from these seven epistles is this, that if you would prove you are born again and going to heaven, you must be a victorious soldier of Christ. If you would make it clear that you have any title to Christ's precious promises, You must fight the good fight in Christ's cause, and in that fight you must conquer. Victory is the only satisfactory evidence that you have a saving religion. You like good sermons, perhaps. You respect the Bible and read it occasionally. 
You say your prayers night and morning. You have family prayers and give to religious societies. I thank God for this. It is all very good. But how goes the battle? How does the great conflict go on all this time? Are you overcoming the love of the world and the fear of man? Are you overcoming the passions, tempers, and lust of your own heart? Are you resisting the devil and making him flee from you? How is it in this matter? You must either rule or serve sin and the devil in the world. There is no middle course. You must either conquer or be lost. I know well it is a hard battle that you have to fight, and I want you to know it too. You must fight the good fight of faith and endure hardships if you would lay hold of eternal life. You must make up your mind to a daily struggle if you would reach heaven. There may be short roads to heaven invented by man, but ancient Christianity, the good old way, is the way of the cross, the way of conflict. Sin, the world, and the devil must be actually mortified, resisted, and overcome. This is the road, or he should say the trail, that saints of old have trodden and left their record on high. When Moses refused the pleasures of sin in Egypt and chose affliction with the people of God, this was overcoming, he overcame the love of pleasure. When Micaiah refused to prophesy smooth things to King Ahab, though he knew he would be persecuted if he spoke the truth, this was overcoming, he overcame the love of ease. When Daniel refused to give up praying, though he knew the den of lions was prepared for him, this was overcoming. He overcame the fear of death. When Matthew rose from the receipt of custom at our Lord's bidding, he left on, followed him. This was overcoming. He overcame the love of money. When Peter and John stood up boldly before the council and said, we cannot but speak the things we have seen and heard. This was overcoming. They overcame the fear of man. When Saul, the Pharisee, gave up all his prospects of a preferment among the Jews and preached that very Jesus whom he had once persecuted, this was overcoming. He overcame the love of man's praise. The same kind of thing which these men did, you must also do if you would be saved. They were men of like passions with yourself, and yet they overcame. They had as many trials as you can possibly have, and yet they overcame. They fought, they wrestled, they struggled. You must do the same. What was the secret of their victory? Their faith. They believed on Jesus, and believing were made strong. They believed on Jesus, and believing were held up. In all their battles, they kept their eyes on Jesus, and he never left them nor forsook them. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of, it, of their testimony. And so may you, Revelation twelve eleven. I set these words before you. I ask you to lay them to heart, resolved by the grace of God to be an overcoming Christian. I fear much for many professing Christians. I see no sign of fighting in them, much less of victory. They never strike one stroke on the side of Christ. They are at peace with his enemies. They have no quarrel with sin. I warn you, this is not Christianity. This is not the way. 
to heaven. I often fear much for those who hear the gospel regularly. I fear lest you become so familiar with the sound of its doctrines that insensibly you become dead to its power. I fear lest your religion should sink down into a little vague talk about your own weakness and corruption and a few sentimental expressions about Christ while real practical fighting on Christ's side is altogether neglected. Oh, beware of this state of mind. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. No victory, no crown. Fight and overcome. James 1, 22. Young men and women, and especially those who have been brought up in a religious family, I fear much for you. I fear lest you get a habit of giving way to every temptation. I fear lest you become afraid of saying no to the world and the devil, and when sinners entice you, think at least trouble to consent. Beware, I do beseech you, of giving way. Every concession will make you weaker. Go into the world resolved to fight Christ's battle and fight your way on. Believers in the Lord Jesus of every church and rank in life, I feel much for you. I know your course is hard. I know it is a sore battle you have to fight. I know you are often tempted to say it is of no use and to lay down your arms altogether. Cheer up, dear brothers and sisters. Take comfort, I entreat you. Look at the bright side of your position. Be encouraged to fight on. The time is short. The Lord is at hand. The night is far spent. Millions as weak as you have fought the same fight. Not one of all those millions has been finally led captive by Satan. Mighty are your enemies, but the captain of your salvation is mightier still. His arm, his grace, and his spirit shall hold you up. Cheer up, be not cast down. What, though you lose a battle or two, you shall not lose all? What, though you faint sometimes, you shall not be quite cast down? What, though you fall seven times, you shall not be destroyed? Watch against sin, and sin shall not have dominion over you. Resist the devil, and he shall flee from you. Come out boldly from the world, and the world shall be obliged to let you go. You shall find yourselves in the end more than conquerors. You shall overcome. Considering the relevancy of this whole subject, let us look into how this whole doctrine touches upon us in practical terms. Number one, for one thing, Let me warn all who are living only for the world to take heed what they are doing. You are enemies to Christ, though you may not know it. He marks your ways, though you turn your back on him and refuse to give him your hearts. He is observing your daily life and reading your daily ways. There will yet be a resurrection of all your thoughts, words, and actions. You may forget them, but God does not. You may be careless about them, but they are carefully marked down in the book of remembrance. O worldly man, think of this. 
tremble, tremble, and repent. Number two, let me warn all formalist and self-righteous people to take heed that they are not deceived. You fancy you will go to heaven because you go regularly to church. You indulge in expectation of eternal life because you are always at the Lord's table and are never missing in your pew. But where is your repentance? Where is your faith? Where are your evidences of a new heart? Where is the work of the Spirit? Where are your evidences of regeneration? O formal Christian, consider these questions. Tremble, tremble, and repent. Number three, let me warn all careless members of churches to beware lest they trifle their souls into hell. You live on year after year as if there was no battle to be fought with sin, the world, and the devil. You pass through life a smiling, laughing, gentleman-like or lady-like person and behave as if there was no devil, no heaven, and no hell. Oh, careless churchman or careless dissenter, careless Episcopalian, careless Presbyterian, careless Independent, careless Baptist, awake, awake to see eternal realities in their true light. Awake and put on the armor of God. Awake and fight hard for life. Tremble, tremble and repent. Number four, let me warn everyone who wants to be saved not to be content with the world's standard of religion. Surely no man with his eyes open can fail to see that the Christianity of the New Testament is something far higher and deeper than the Christianity of most professing Christians. That formal, easygoing, do-little thing which most people call religion is evidently not the religion of the Lord Jesus. The things that he praises in the seven epistles are not praised by the world. The things that he blames are not things in which the world sees any harm. Oh, if you would follow Christ, be not content with the world's Christianity. Tremble, tremble, and repent. Number five, lastly, let me warn everyone who professes to be a believer in the Lord Jesus not to be content with a little religion. Of all sights in the church of Christ, I know none more painful to my own eyes than a Christian contented and satisfied with a little grace, a little repentance, a little faith, a little knowledge, a little charity, and a little holiness. I do beseech and entreat every believing soul that reads this track not to be that kind of man, not to be that kind of man. If you have any desires after usefulness, if you have any wishes to promote your Lord's glory, if you have any longings after much inward peace, be not content with a little religion. Let us rather seek every year we live to make more spiritual progress than we have done, to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus, to grow in humility, and self-acquaintance, to grow in spirituality and heavenly-mindedness, to grow in conformity to the image of our Lord. Let us beware of leaving our first love like Ephesus, 
of becoming lukewarm like Laodicea, of tolerating false practices like Pergamos, of tampering with false doctrine like Thyatira, of becoming half dead, ready to die like Sardis. Let us rather covet the best gifts. Let us aim at eminent holiness. Let us endeavor to be like Smyrna and Philadelphia. Let us hold fast what we have already and continually seek to have more. Let us labor to be unmistakable Christians. Let it not be our distinctive character that we are men of science or men of literary attainments or men of the world or men of pleasure or men of business, but men of God. Let us so live that all may see that to us the things of God are the first things and the glory of God the first aim in our lives, to follow Christ our grand object in time present, to be with Christ our grand desire in time to come. Let us live in this way and we shall be happy. Let us live in this way and we shall do good to the world. Let us live in this way and we shall leave good evidence behind us when we are buried. Let us live in this way and the Spirit's word to the churches will not have been spoken to us in vain. J.C. Ryle, his incredible book, Holiness. We are at war. Are you a soldier? A spectator, a weak, cowardly, critical, judgmental, passive spectator. Who are you? Step up, man up, grizzen. Mm-hmm.